chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a, a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Well, good morning everyone. Great to see you this morning. Uh, for those who are guests or visitors with us, uh, my name's Paul and I'm the pastor here. And uh, we're in the middle of a series at the moment uh, looking at the world and us and how we live in it. Uh, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about the question of who am I? Who am I? Uh, we've been thinking through that and we've been thinking about that on a number of different levels, haven't we? We've been thinking about what does the world say about us on the vertical when we look out around us, what do people say about us? What does uh, technology say about us? What does the media say about us? What do our friends say about us? But then we've been saying, well, we need to be thinking about the vertical, which is more important. The horizontal changes, doesn't it? But the vertical doesn't. And that's where we thought about what does God think about us? Who does he say I am? And what did we sing earlier? He says, you are a child of God, doesn't he? Uh, it's a great song, that song we sang at the beginning, and that's what we've been thinking about, haven't we? Who we are, when we put our trust and belief in Jesus, when we know who he is, when we trust that his life, death and resurrection, as we heard in Heather's talk, bring us into a relationship with Jesus, that that never changes, that his love for us never changes, that we actually become children of his, and all that goes with that, and all the promises that come with that, and all the blessings that come with that, they are ours. And so when we think about who am I, rather than thinking that stuff that changes every time you look at it and see it and around us, we can actually sit back and we can know 100% who we are because of what God says about us. We are his children. It's great, isn't it? When you wake up in the morning, you can look in the mirror. We thought about that on the camp and we look in it and we see, uh, what's that shape before us? May not look good, but we are a child of God, aren't we? Uh, we can look at that and say, that's who we are. And so in this series that we're looking at, we're thinking about who we are, we're a child of God, and as children of God, how do we live in the world around us? Uh, and so last week, Les looked at uh, what it is to live in this world and what work has to do with that. And we saw that work is good and that we should be working. And there's a whole realm of different avenues that we can do work. That's not just what we're paid for, but works in a whole lot of areas. It's good for us, but it will be a struggle. Uh, that it's not perfect here and now. 
Uh, there are going to be times when we just want to throw our hands in the air and get rid of it, but it's a good thing for us to be doing because everything that we do is to be done to the glory of God, even our work. Uh, so that's what we thought about last week. So this week what we're going to be thinking about, uh, we're going to be thinking about technology and we've been thinking about this as we've looked at this book called The Frog and the Fish. I don't know whether you've bought it yet, but it's worth buying. It's aimed particularly at teenagers, but it's excellent because it's written at a level that I understand even, you know. Uh, sometimes we buy books and it's just, you think, what on earth are they on about? This one you can read it and go, yes, this is what it's about. And this book has been making us think about how do we live in the world that we're in? Uh, the water that we're in? What the water that we're swimming in? Because it's all around us, isn't it? Uh, and it uses the picture of the fish swimming in amongst it and the frog when the old saying about you put a frog in water and if you turn it up you'll boil it it just gets used to it around it and it's the same with us that we're thinking about that the water that we're swimming in the water that we're being heated up in and so this week we're going to be thinking about technology uh, what we're going to do is we're going to watch a clip to start off with because we're pretty much these days saturated with technology aren't we it is everywhere. And maybe it's boring as well. <laughs> that was just to give you a bit of a picture, isn't it? That uh, it, it's, it's all pervasive, isn't it, today? Uh, digital technology specifically is all pervasive today. And I'm not going to be able to give you in the next 20 minutes a whole thing on every aspect of technology. But what I want to do today is just give you a bit of an overview of technology, God and you. I want us just to delve in, have a, a bit of a look at what the Bible says, then what it means, what God says, and what it means for us. So we're going to do that pretty quickly today. This is a topic that you could do a lectures on for forever, but we're going to just delve in very quickly this morning. Uh, and the first thing we want to think about is that when we look at technology in the Bible, you're not going to go to the index and find it written there. Uh, there's not an index for technology, but we can see through the Bible how technology is used and how those who are in the Bible see it and understand it. Uh, and so what I'm going to do very quickly this morning is just show you that uh, right from the beginning, God intends us and expects us to use some type of technology. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, right back in the very, very beginning, uh, here's just a couple of verses for you, uh, what God says to us about the world that he's given us. He says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So right from the beginning, you see, God tells us as human beings that we are to subdue, to rule 
or basically saying, care for what I'm giving you. This is my creation, but I'm handing it over to you to look after it and care for it. And so within that, he's automatically expecting us to start doing things with the world. Uh, we're going to grow things, we're going to build things, we're going to do things. And so he automatically thinks that there's going to be some sort of things that we do that will work with the world to look after it and care for it. You see, God's like, in a sense, he's saying, here is this amazing thing of mine, but I want you to care for it, to look after it and work with it. It's about when your neighbour leaves, you know, uh, you get a knock on the door one day, your neighbour comes over and says, I'm leaving for a year, can you look after my garden? And if it looks like that, you're in trouble, aren't you? Because it's not going to look like when he comes back. But that's the idea, isn't it? Your neighbour comes over, a year's probably a little bit too long, but hopefully they say, you come over, can you care for my garden? Can you come over and make sure you water it, care for it, look after it? If it's a year, maybe do the weeding, the caring. You know, use my whippersnipper, use my lawnmower. You can even design your own stuff. Uh, that's what God's saying to us about the world that he's given to us, that we're to care for it. And so what the Bible tells us is that basically technology is neither good nor evil, but it's something that God wants us to use and do to care for and look after his world. It's not ours, it's his first and foremost, and we're to care for it. So here's a little bit of a, a, a definition that's been put together by some other people with me. Not that I told them that, but um, I've adapted theirs a little bit and uh, thrown in a couple of words of mine. But this is what they say, technology is the human activity of using tools to shape, care for, to transform God's creation for his glory and practical purposes. That's what technology is, okay? That's what it's to be. It's be to look for, to care for, and we're about to have updates coming on. See, technology happens everywhere, doesn't it? Uh, perfect example of how our technology isn't perfect because that's the case, you see, because we've got to remember that when God says, Genesis chapter 1, he says, take care and look after, Genesis chapter 3 hasn't happened yet. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we find out that this beautiful world that God has created gets tainted. Because human beings decide that they know better than God, that they can't trust God's word, and so they think that they can do what they do, and so they take the fruit they're told not to take, and so that, in a sense, says, God, you're not, you don't know what you're on about, we know what we're on about, and we're going to do it our way. And we tend to do that today, don't we, all the time. It wasn't just Adam and Eve did it, we do it always. Uh, but that tainted it, that, that changed everything. That changed the whole world from then on. And so from then on, things that happened uh, in the world around us, the care and the look after were tainted. It was broken. Sin impacted in every sphere of the world and including technology and the use of it. And so from then on in the Bible, you see that technology is used both for good and for evil. It's not technology is evil, Okay, but it's not valueless, but I'm going to tell you a little bit later. But in and of itself, it's not evil, but it can be used for good or evil. And so the Bible shows us that. So when we get to uh, the story of Noah and the ark that is built, do you think that Noah just worked that out with his hands and nothing else? Couldn't have, could he? He couldn't make that size boat 
with just his hands. Uh, he had to use technology, didn't he? He had to fashion instruments, he had to fashion different machines and things to make that happen. And in that, even though it's a horrible story really in the end of people who are being destroyed, but it's used for good. Technology is used to good to help save people. So there's a good example of technology being used to build something that couldn't be done just with your hands. He would have used all sorts of things to make that. We're not 100% sure, but he would have used lots of different machines and stuff to use that. That would have been technology. Uh, and then we see later on, which was the story that we heard uh, Nat read to us in the Tower of Babel, where technology is actually used for evil. Uh, so we see it used for good with the ark, then we see it used for evil with the Tower of Babel, because the Tower of Babel was the story, if you heard it, of people who decided again that they wanted to be better than God. We're going to build this tower so big, so high, that we're going to be so impressive that everyone will know who we are. And we're better than God, is the undertone of the Tower of Babel. And so it's used for evil, against God, in that sense, not for him. I don't know whether you've seen, this is the biggest statue in the world today. Does anyone know how tall it is? It's 577 feet tall. It's in India. It's, I think, three to four times bigger than the Statue of Liberty. And if you read the story about this, this is a particular person in India's history, and they build it to make a statement to the world of how great India is. It's a statement, isn't it? You build something big, you're making a statement. Uh, and that was the same with the Tower of Babel. They were making a statement that they were better than God. Uh, the people said there in verse 4, then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord saw this and he knew this wasn't good. And he came down and he changed their language so they couldn't do that. Have you ever been in a country where you haven't spoken the same language? It's tough, isn't it? It's really tough. Karina and I were in Italy last year and we couldn't speak the language and we went into this little shop on this deserted road and it, no one there spoke English at all. No one. And all we wanted was some milk and a bit of garlic. And so we went into the shop uh, and Karina went in and she tried to explain and she pointed and all that stuff and then she came out of the shop she said, give me my phone because it's got a translate thing on it and I'll take that in. You see, technology can be helpful, can't it? But it's really hard to communicate when you've got your languages dispersed and so that's what happens here. God disperses the people so that they don't try to be like God. They aren't using their technology to usurp God rather than for God and his purposes. So you see, in the Bible, we see that there are examples of both being used for good and for evil. And if you follow the rest of the Bible all the way through, technology is used in multiple ways, in multiple uh, examples for both those things. So how do we think about technology, God and you? If the Bible says it's not specifically good or evil, uh, but it's not valueless, there is elements to technology that we need to remember. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. Uh, but it's how we use it. How do we then think about that? How do we use it? Well, generally there's... Now, this is pretty sort of, you know, I'm, I'm making grand statements here in one sense. There's generally three ways that we think about technology. And Christians particularly have three ways of doing it. One is tech danger. Don't go near it. Stay away from it. 
it's evil. Therefore, don't do this. Don't, don't go near that. Uh, you might have been heard, I don't know whether you've heard it, but you might have, if you've ever been called a Luddite, has anyone been told they're a Luddite? Uh, Sam's, a Luddite is a person who hates technology and doesn't want to go near it and stays away from it. I saw this great little cartoon. No wheels here, no new technology. No, we can't have the wheel. It's not allowed. We don't can't use it. Uh, and Luddites, or you hear about the Amish, you might have heard of Amish, who particularly don't want to go near technology. But generally, Luddites and Amish don't want technology of today, but they want the technology back in some golden period that they thought it was. So the Amish will still use horse and carriage. I think that's technology, isn't it? Okay. So that's one. Don't go near it. It's evil. Don't touch it. Don't go anywhere near this at all. Well, the other one is the tech, where technology is the saviour. That is where technology is going to save the world. Technology is so good, everything, you know, it's amazing. It's all this stuff that's coming in, it's going to take away all our diseases, our illnesses, the food problems, all the issues in the world. Technology is going to save everyone. And so let's just embrace all of it. Take it all on. Every bit of technology is great. That's the idea that tech is the saviour. Well, I don't think that's helpful either because it doesn't ultimately save us, does it? Uh, you just don't take it on. Whereas this is the one I think is uh, more, and you say tech responsibilism. Yeah, you say, did you make that word up, Paul? Well, I didn't, someone else did. Uh, but it's that idea of tech and responsibility that we need to see that technology can be really helpful and can do amazing stuff. I mean, I'm speaking into a radio mic now that has no cords to it, and you can hear me. You could probably hear me without that if you really wanted to in this room. But uh, it's amazing. Isn't it? there, there's some good stuff in technology. Uh, the things you can do today is phenomenal with technology. Uh, just last year, we were camping at Mini Waters. Only a couple of years ago, you couldn't get phone reception at Mini Waters. We were camping at Mini Waters and we we're sitting in our caravan and we were talking face to face with my son and daughter in law in the Maldives. That's crazy, isn't it? That is phenomenal. But how good is it that like, we can see them and talk to them and we can have that conversation with them? It's so good. But we need to be careful, don't we? Technology responsibility says that we need to take technology but we need to be careful with it because is it ultimately for the glory of God or not? And let me explain an example of this in the Bible itself. So uh, if you look at 2 John chapter 1, verse 12, uh, which is, there's only one chapter in anyway, so you could have just gone 2 John, verse 12. But right at the end of the passage, uh, the writer of this, John, says to the people, he says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face, so that our joy may be complete. Now, notice, uh, I've put that as though it's on paper. Paper is technology, okay? Writing is technology. Back then, it probably would have been papyri and a, a form of ink that they would have used to do that. And so John is using the technology of the day to take the good news of Jesus to the world. And only because of that do we have it now. If he had been a Luddite, not that they were invented back then, <laughs> he said, I'm not going to touch technology 
we wouldn't have the Bible in our hands today. It would not be here. And so he says he uses it, doesn't he? He takes the technology of the day, he uses it, and he uses it responsibly, but at the same time he says, doesn't he, at the end he says, but I'd actually rather talk to you face to face. So he's using it responsibly, isn't he? He's thinking, I can use this technology, but actually I'd rather speak to you here because then I can have a good chat with you as well. And that'll make my joy complete because I'll see you and you'll see me. See how he's done the two together? He's worked together. He's taken the technology, but he says, actually, this is a better way, but I will use this because it's helpful in spreading the good news of gospel. I think it's a great thing for us to think about today, isn't it? That actually face-to-face is better. I reckon that's a good mantra to live by in the world that we live in today, isn't it? Uh, Because we live in a world where email and text are fantastic. I use email so often. I use text so often. But you cannot pick up intention, facial features, emotion, though emoticons are getting us there almost, some of them. Uh, But you can't pick that up, can you, in that? You cannot pick that up. And you can read into lots of stuff that's not there but when you're face to face it's a whole lot more communication going on I don't know what the percentage is they say it's something like 60% of communication is not in words it's actually in facial features and hand gestures and all that sort of stuff that's a good thing for us to think about isn't it and I'll be throwing that to you a little bit later as well but there we see again a biblical perspective and a biblical principle of saying technology is great we'll use it when it's helpful and good Uh, for spreading the good news of Jesus and for the benefit of of the world but actually it's better if I be face to face so therefore I'm responsible in it. Technology responsibilism is a term for us to keep thinking about. Uh, But I want to also add to you within all of this that technology is not valueless. By that what I mean is the phone in and of itself is not valueless iPhones change how we live in and of itself without you even using it. Machine guns, AK-47s, change the world just because of what they are. You see, things that we have, technology, have values behind it. They've been developed for a reason, for a purpose, to change things. So when someone says to you, it's not guns that kill people, it's people, that is not 100% true. Okay? That is not 100%. Because what people are trying to say is the, the thing by itself is valueless, it's the person that brings value to it. But actually an AK-47 and phones aren't valueless. They change what we do. They actually make things more possible than what they were without them. And the intention of an iPhone is that you're continually connected. That you have got stuff coming in your ears constantly. That you're going to be more harried, more hurried, more intensified, more intensity. Everything's got to be done immediately, instantly. That is not valueless. An AK-47 is developed to kill people effectively and quickly and lots of bullets at the same time. It's not valueless. So you can't just say the phone is nothing unless someone uses it. It's got value behind it. You can't say a gun has got nothing to it. It's not got values behind it. 
but it is us who use it. So it's not that completely, it's together, isn't it? So what I want to say to you is technology is not valueless, which is what I want to say because we need to be and have disciplined discernment with technology. Technology responsibilism, take that as a word for you. Discipline, okay, discerning discipline are the other things I want to take you away from here today. Uh, this is a quote by a guy called Marshall McLaughlin, or McLuhan, I think you say it. Uh, we become what we behold. We shape our tools and then our tools shape us. We shape our tools, we become what we behold. So what we look at, what we, what we are obsessed with, what we hold, uh, that's what we become. We shape our tools, then our tools shape us. It's an interesting quote, isn't it? Have a think through that. We look a very different society now in the last 10 years because of what? The mobile phone. Internet. Digital technology has changed who we are dramatically, how we operate. And it's something that I think we take for granted and we don't recognise and we don't look into enough and think about. Uh, I reckon a great question to ask with anything that you have because the Bible says technology is not good or evil but it's not valueless. We use it and we can use it responsibly but sometimes it's better not to use it. But within all of it, the Bible tells us that we do everything to the glory of God so that we become more like Jesus. That is the aim. That's what the Bible says is the aim for all of us on this earth at any time, in any place, at any situation. So I reckon a great question for us when we come to think about technology is this good for a flourishing life of living for Jesus or will it pull me or us away from Jesus? Is this technology good for flourishing life and living for Jesus or will it pull me or us away from him? Tech responsibilism, discipline, discernment, are the two things I think we need to put into place as we think through that question on every bit of technology that comes our way. Every bit of technology that comes our way. Don't just accept it and say, okay, great. Well, it might be, but it may not be. In some places it can be really, really good. In other places it can be extremely destructive. Uh, let's watch a clip. Did you know the average person spends four years of his life looking down at his cell phone? Kind of ironic, ain't it? How these touch screens can make us lose touch. But it's no wonder in a world filled with iMacs, iPads, and iPhones, so many eyes, so many selfies, not enough us's and we's, see? Technology has made us more selfish and separate than ever Cause while it claims to connect us Connection has gotten no better And let me express first, Mr. Zuckerberg Not to be rude, but you should reclassify Facebook to what it is An anti-social network 
Cause while we may have big friend lists, so many of us are friendless all alone. Cause friendships are more broken than the screens on our very phones. We sit at home on our computers, measuring self-worth by numbers of followers and likes. Ignoring those who actually love us, it seems we'd rather write an angry post and talk to someone who might actually hug us. Am I bugging? You tell me, cause I asked a friend the other day, let's meet up face to face. They said, alright, what time you wanna Skype? I responded with, OMG, SRS and then a bunch of SMHs and realized, what about me? Do I not have the patience to have conversation without abbreviation? This is the generation of media overstimulation. Chats have been reduced to snaps. The news is 140 characters. Videos are six seconds at high speed. And you wonder why ADD is on the rise faster than 4G LTE. But get a load of this. Studies show the attention span of the average adult today is one second lower than that of a goldfish. So if you're one of the few people or aquatic animals that have yet to click off or close this video, congratulations. Let me finish by saying you do have a choice, yes. But this one, my friends, we cannot autocorrect. We must do it ourselves. Take control or be controlled, make a decision. Me, no longer do I want to spoil a precious moment by recording it with a phone. I'm just going to keep them. I don't want to take a picture of all my meals anymore. I'm just going to eat them. I don't want the new app, the new software, or the new update And if I want to post an old photo Who says I have to wait until Thursday? I'm so tired of performing in the pageantry of vanity And conforming to this accepted form of digital insanity Call me crazy, but I imagine a world where we smile when we have low batteries Cause that'll mean we'll be one bar closer To humanity Take control or be controlled? That's a great question, isn't it? That's something that we need to be reminded of. And uh, he had a particular bent and was going a particular direction with what he was saying. Uh, but it was just really powerful, isn't it, to think we spend the average of four years looking at our phones. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, so, so how do we do that? How do we uh, take control or be controlled? Uh, knowing that what we've said before, that there's not technology is not particularly evil, not particularly good, it's not valueless, but we are to use it with responsibilism or disciplined discernment. We need to be thinking about how we do that and how we look at that. And I want to encourage you that if you're a parent here particularly, that one of the great things that you can do is actually sit with your kids and talk this through with them. If you've got kids who are heading anywhere from year five into high school, you need to be talking with your kids now. You might be wondering, well, oh, they're not quite up to that yet. They're not going to be worried about that. They're not going to be seeing stuff yet. I guarantee you if they haven't, they will. And before long, there'll be stuff coming onto their phones, uh, into their email boxes. They're going to tempt them and change them and move them in all sorts of directions. 
and you need to be talking now. It's better to be talking now than to be finding out later. And particularly when you look at uh, sexting, uh, you look at pornography, uh, those sorts of things that are coming in and hitting our kids, they are hitting them even younger than you thought. You might be thinking, no, 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 that hasn't hit my kid yet. I'll guarantee you it either has or it will very, very shortly. We need to be as parents talking to our children about that, uh, showing them how to use this with disciplined discernment. Uh, thinking about, is this going to help us flourish in our life with Jesus or is this going to lead us away from Jesus? You see, I, I need to tell you that your kids are sinful just like you. My kids are. Your kids are. They are, guys, all right? And they're going to be tempted and things are going to come their way and unless you start speaking to them now you're going to find you've lost them or you're going to have to be dealing with something down the track that you didn't realise you're going to be dealing with. Uh, there are, I know there are people amongst us here who have had to do that. Didn't realise, didn't recognise, thought, you know, I know that won't happen to our kids. They're great kids, they're fine kids, they're lovely kids, they're Christian kids. There's no way they're going to get into that sort of stuff. And uh, we've had to deal with the fact that they've got addictions with pornography. Or we've had to deal with stuff, the sexting stuff that they've sent to people. It happens. Don't stick your heads in the sand. Don't be naive. That's why it's got to be disciplined discernment. We've got to be on it. We've got to be about it. It is pervasive. It is everywhere. It's not all evil. It can be good, but we need to help our children understand that. I might have been a bit of a rant from my stage, but it was something that I've been working, thinking about and have learnt with our kids. You see, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says this, doesn't it? Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything. That includes how we use technology and specifically in this age, how we use digital technology. How do we use that? How does this glorify God? How does this show how great God is? Well, it's not, it's not the Ten Commandments by any means. Uh, but it's ten suggestions for discipline discernment for you. Now these are some of uh, mine and someone else's that I've uh, pulled together to give ten. Uh, you could probably go for about a hundred if you really wanted to. But uh, I thought this was just ten that would be helpful for us to think through. I'll put this out for our gospel communities to, to be talking about this week and, and chatting through. Uh, so the first one is don't ban but edu educate. Uh, talk through, model it, show it. Uh, as soon as you ban, uh, there's going to be ways around it. But if you talk with your kids about this, even with yourself, talk about it, you might put in place strategies you might have modems that cut things out at particular times. You might have, I've known uh, some of my kids have got this thing where if anything comes up on their computer that they go to a website, it immediately tells five of their friends what they've looked at. This particular list they have, it immediately goes to them and so they've got to answer to them, why were you looking at that site? It's accountability. Uh, you might put in all these strategies uh, but what I'm saying at the moment is don't ban it because you can't stop it in one sense, but you can understand how to use it. Uh, educate, talk about it, work through it. 
Uh, turn off all your notifications. Someone was beeping just then, wasn't it? Literally, if you are if you're subscribed to websites or apps or whatever, you could be constantly be hit with notifications every couple of minutes. Bings, nuts, all that sort of stuff coming through. What does that do? It puts you on edge. You're always wondering what the next thing that's happening, and you end up being what they call FOMO, fear of missing out. And so you just go, oh, I've got to go look at that. I'm in the middle of talking to someone and a notification, just hold on a minute. Oh, Justin Bieber's put out a new song. Great. Oh, what was that conversation? We break things, don't we, because we go to notifications. Turn your notifications off. Look, this is only suggestions. You don't have to do it. Delete addictive apps. What are the apps on your phone that you go to constantly? Is it Facebook? Are you constantly looking at Facebook? It's pretty... I don't know if you've noticed it, but if you look at people, wherever they are, pretty much, if they've got any downtime, they're like this. I'm doing it myself. I'm finding that lately. Any downtime at all? Oh, there could have been another couple of posts on Facebook. Well, Evans Head classified. They might be selling something new. I need to know about that. Yeah, someone's got a cattery that they're selling. Yeah, woohoo! Hate cats. Uh, but you know, there. It's had us all the time, isn't it? Keep parts of your digital life free. Your life digital. Free, sorry, keep parts of your life digital free. Go for a walk without your phone. Sit at the table and turn everything off. Have space where it, people aren't going to annoy you. Take someone to walk and don't have your phones with you so you don't have to get the notification. You don't have to take that phone call from the person down the street who's just found whatever's gone on happening in your backyard. Just have space. Have space. Before you post, think, how will this make others feel? That's both the negative and the positive you post. Think about how this makes others feel. One of the things that uh, the frog and the fish talk about is that we live in a world now that has this happy ethos thing where everything's happy and wonderful and beautiful because people only post happy and wonderful, beautiful pictures, don't they? Everything's wonderful in that person's life. Look at where they are. Look at the things that are going on for them. Man, I wish I was at the beach today. Here you are working away at home. Oh, that person, look, they're always on holidays. They're always smiling. Everything's wonderful for them, isn't it? Garbage. It's only what they're posting. Fast from digital world, have a fast. Just try it. Go for a 15 minutes to start with. All right? If stuff's really hard, fast from that phone for 15 minutes. Just stick it to the side and leave it. See whether your heart rate doesn't go up. Oh, I've got to check it. I've got to check it. I've got to check it. Work to a day. Work to a week. Maybe a month. Make face-to-face your norm for communicating. Make face-to-face the norm for your communicating. When you go to text, just take a moment and think, should I actually ring them? Should I just pop over? You know, they are next door and I'm texting them about the fact that 
You know, you want to come over for a cuppa? I'll go over and knock on the door and ask them to come for cuppa. That'd be a bit, that'd, that'd be strange, wouldn't it? Uh, if I can bring to an issue heat but no light, it's possibly best that I remain silent. If you're going to post into something and you're just going to heighten it and bring more and more heat to it without grace and light and the love of Jesus, maybe don't post it. Spend more time in the Bible praying and encouraging others in Jesus than on social media. That's a push one, isn't it? But it shouldn't be, should it? Look... These are, these are things I've written for myself, by the way, okay? I'm struggling with lots of this stuff too. It's not that I'm saying, here, I've got it all sorted because I haven't got it all sorted by any means. But maybe that's the thing. Am, am I encouraging people in the Bible, praying and about Jesus, than I am checking my Facebook? I'll tell you what, it's addictive. Facebook is addictive. And you know what it actually is. It's not a social network. That's secondary, really. It's actually an ad platform. It's a marketing tool. Mark Zuckerberg makes no money out of you looking at what your neighbour's doing or your grandparents are doing. He makes all the money at all the ads that are chucked in around it. That's why it's there. Have you ever noticed... You're talking about the fact that you want to buy a new dishwasher. Uh, you know, you're talking about it, the dishwasher's broken, you're talking about a new dishwasher. The next time you're on Facebook, there's a dishwasher! And on the side! How do they do that? It's phenomenal. Uh, and finally, number 10, always ask, is this good for a flourishing life of living for Jesus? Or will it pull me, will it pull us, that pull you away from Jesus. Technology got anew. Technology in and of itself is not evil and it's not good. Uh, it is something that God wants us to use to work with and care for and look after his great creation uh, for his purposes and for his glory. Therefore, we need to have a disciplined discernment with all of it. Don't just take it. Don't just write it off. But discipline the sermon, but look into it. Think about these things. Is this going to encourage me to love Jesus more and others more or not? You see, we need to proceed with our eyes open so that we use technology rather than being used by it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... And we do praise you and thank you for the fact that you've given us brains and ability to be able to design and work with things and develop stuff that can be amazingly helpful in the care and looking after of your creation, of your world and your people. We want to praise you and thank you for all those things, Lord. Lord, we pray that as we live in this world, as we live in this world for you, as children of yours, Lord, uh, that we will think carefully about the technology that comes our way, that we'll uh, have disciplined discernment as we think about does this truly bring glory to you and your purposes? 
does this truly help us to flourish in our lives with Jesus or draw us away or draw the world away? Heavenly Father, we pray that through your word, through your spirit, through your people, that we will seek to look into this world, to not be controlled by technology, but look to see how we can control it for your glory in everything, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.